Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. fourth edition of the illegal motion college football podcast in nashville tennessee i'm the professor matt perkins and a wheel route across the harpeth river from me here in the music city it's our own offensive coordinator the coach Corey burton well just in case anybody from the nashville christian football contingency is listening uh, we did install the wheel route this week so uh, i'm excited to hear that it's like you're reading my mind matt well uh you know after you get to know someone uh, long enough, you de- develop uh, a little bit of telepathy with them, I would I would think. I feel like Josh and I certainly have over the, Josh, now 15 years we've known each other. Um, and speaking of, he is the third amigo in the second city, and he's a man who enjoys an occasional Boddingtons. It's our <laughs> intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. You know, I haven't actually had a Boddingtons in quite a while. Well, you're the person who introduced me to them, and I was at the liquor store yesterday and they were on sale and i couldn't cool. resist i couldn't resist that four pack for yeah they're five, pretty good they're pretty five, good for 5.99 yeah. it's uh oh. you know, uh this podcast would fully endorse Boddington's if uh, we're looking for a sponsor anyhow <laughs> um it is week three of the 2019 yeah it's week three of the 2019 season uh and it is the rare week where we have no ranked versus ranked matchups in all of fbs football but that does not mean there is not a ton to talk about. Let's get started with the quick slants. Josh, uh, uh, you told me before the show that you are not buying what Manny Diaz is selling. No, we got a coach being stupid. Like, why do they do this dumb stuff? He's telling commits not to take their visits once they commit to Miami and that they need to be 100% all in. Hey, Manny, uh, how did all in work for you at Temple? How did you had it all in work for you at one year at Mississippi State, one year at Louisiana Tech, one year at another stint in Mississippi State? That one was funny. He was at Mississippi State twice for one year. I mean, what are you doing? You you're not faithful either to the program. Also, buddy, win a freaking game before opening your yap. Yeah, he has not exactly had the greatest start to his tenure, and that is def- is reflecting on that team as a whole. Josh, um, you really shouldn't hold back, man. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, why are you trying to bottle it in? Um, I mean, they lost. They've now lost to you know. I can understand the Florida loss. People are didn't really expect them to win that game, but losing at North Carolina did not do a whole lot, and it's not. I don't know if it's what is it Gerard Williams' fault, Gerard Williams' fault, but because I think he's been playing okay, but I'm not really sure just what's happened there in Miami. Coach, you have any ideas? I just don't think they're as talented as everyone thought they were. I mean, even they even kind of fooled me. Like the the guys that they got, that cupboard is not as stocked as it looks. So, I mean, he may want to 
cool it and just try to recruit the best way you can. But being 0-2 and, and, and telling recruits, giving them ultimatums is – I'm not a recruiting expert, but um, I do kind of have that part of it figured out. It's okay, though. The fans are bought in. Tickets for their Bethune-Cookman game this weekend are going for as low as $9. Oh, wow. Well, I, I think I hope that's Bethune Cookman fans snatching those up. Um, I would rather, honestly, this weekend go see Georgia State play, coach. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be, uh, that should be a fun one, actually, with Western Michigan, a team uh, we all kind of like in the MAC. So, you know, uh, a, a fun uh, non conference, you know, group of five game. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. I mean, Georgia State is a team that we looked at in the, in the preseason. Um, as a team that was going to be middle of the pack at best in the Sun Belt, um, and we even really had them in the lower tier. So, I mean, a 2-10 and ten team just had so much improvement. Um, and a lot of it is, is uh, based on the quarterback, Dan Ellington. I mean, that, that guy is absolutely lighting it up. And, uh, I mean, also, don't, don't sleep on Western Michigan. Um, you know, offense is, uh, you know, they, they are uh, – they are just they're they're rolling, but their defense has got to. Uh, and the reason I like Georgia State in this game is because their defense is just. The Western Michigan's defense is struggling, giving 582 yards uh, up last week in East Lansing. Uh, they allowed 51 points. Uh, Michigan State, I don't think, has scored 51 points in practice yet. So uh, that concerns me when it comes to the Broncos. But uh, Georgia State's my newly adopted team, so um, you know I think a lot of the you know, I think Sean Elliott's done a done a tremendous job at just being patient and developing these guys and, and, and understanding that, you know, the sky's not falling just yet. And and I think they're responding to that. All right. Well, um, speaking of uh, our newly adopted teams, Josh, Eastern Michigan is uh, headed off to play Illinois, who, uh, you know, is off to a 2-0 start for the first time in a while. Yes, certainly a hot start for Illinois. Um, with Akron and Connecticut, you sort of expected them to open 2-0, and but with the way they'd looked the last few years, uh, they didn't always perform up to expectation. Uh, defense has played pretty well, held Akron to three points. Connecticut, they gave up some points early, but really solidified, only gave up 23. So they're averaging 13 points per game. Uh, Eastern Michigan, on the other hand, they have a quarterback who's come out of the gate pretty hot, Mike Glass III, 525 passing yards in two games, one of those uh, coming against an SEC team that, yeah, it was a 21-point game, but uh, if you ignore Eastern Michigan just not being up to speed in the first quarter, after the first quarter, played Kentucky somewhat even. So this is going to be by far Illinois' toughest test in the non-conference. Um, I think another slow start like they have, like they had at Connecticut, could be a path for Eastern Michigan. Also, a slight chance Illinois is looking past them to Nebraska. But this should be a fun one, actually. I'm excited for it. I think that could actually be a, a very competitive game there, um, and. Uh, unfortunately, my adopted team, the ECU Pirates, 
has a bit of a tougher matchup. Uh, they, they're taking on the middies. And while they've only taken on Holy Cross this year, they looked really good in the process. 428 yards on the ground uh, against them on week one. They had the very rare week two bye. Um, and they will... Um, so the middies are coming in nice and fresh and ready to roll out that triple option. But ECU uh, thoroughly dispatched uh, Gardner-Webb last week, 48-9. to um, That being said, um, it, you know, going into Annapolis is always going to be tough, especially if you haven't really prepared for that triple option attack. Things don't look great here. Uh, Navy is favored by seven and a half in this game, and that feels about right. Uh, but you know, I you know, I, there's a world definitely in which um, uh, the Purple Pirates are able to pull off the upset. But you know, Navy is going to be the more experienced team in this one. Um, one thing I want to talk about, though, uh, was two games in the FCS this weekend. Uh, uh, they are Eastern Michigan at Jackson, uh, sorry, Eastern Washington at Jacksonville State, and Towson at Maine. Uh, in Jacksonville, Alabama, the game kick, the Gamecocks are going to be looking to take down the number five Eagles of Eastern Washington. Uh, Jacksonville State actually suffered a surprise upset week one of the season. They were a, t- a preseason top five team, but they lost handily at Southeastern. Louisiana 35 to 14 that Southeast Louisiana team is taking on LSU this weekend Uh, I think the score might be a little bit different there Um, that being said Jacksonville State uh, was able to turn around things last weekend against UT Chattanooga but they're going to have to improve on their red zone efficiency they are only scoring uh, putting the putting any points on the board uh, when they get inside the red zone on 60% of their drives so they are not finishing and that could be a real problem against an Eastern Washington offense that is always a juggernaut. Uh, that uh, Eagle team got beat handily in their opener against Washington in Seattle, but last week they put up 59 points against an overmatched Lindenwood team. Uh, there'll be a lot of points here. I like Jacksonville, though, to pull off the minor upset at home. Uh, the Eagles have not necessarily soared uh, in recent history when they've been away from their uh, crimson turf. Um, but uh, next, I want to talk quickly about uh, a matchup in the Colonial. Uh, number 8,000 is heading up to Orono uh, to take on the number 9-ranked Maine Black Bears. Maine lost a heartbreaker last week, actually, at Georgia Southern, 26-18. Uh, but they still have one of the best passing attacks in all of FCS. Uh, top five squad there. On the other side of the ball, though, uh, Towson has a top five passing defense. It's going to be a nice strength on strength matchup. Obviously, as the New England homer that I am, I'm going to take the Black Bears here to win. But that is a game that I will absolutely be keeping my eye on uh, come Saturday. So uh, with that, time to take out your number two pencils and bust out those Scantrons. Uh, Time for a pop quiz. Uh, Gentlemen, are you ready for your prompt? Yes. All right. Um, Last weekend, uh, Maryland was able to score 60 points uh, for the second game in a row, uh, giving them two games of 60-plus on the season. If they're able to do so again this weekend, that will give them their third game in a year uh, with at least 60 points, only making them only the 20th school since the year 2000 to have three such games in a season. They would start the year consecutively with it on top of that. So your job is to name the other 19 schools that since the year 2000 have had uh, at least three games in which they scored 60 points or more. Coach, off to you first. 
or Josh, you can go ahead. <laughs> and we'll get back to Coach whenever he's here. And he must be muted. Am I still muted? You yeah. aren't anymore. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, that, that's the reason why uh, I feel like what I just said didn't go over. Um, I said, uh, I said UConn, and then I then I then I quickly corrected myself and said, wait, it's not teams that got sixty scored on them more than three times. So, um, <laughs> I feel I feel like uh, I feel like Oregon's got to be in this mix somewhere. Uh, Oregon is correct. They have, they're the only school to appear on the list four times. They've done it. Uh, they're one of the 19 schools who have done it, but they've done it four times in 2008, 10, 12, and 15. Uh, Josh. I got to go with Boomer sooner. Oklahoma put up five 60 spots in the year 2008. That is tied for the second best mark uh, since the year 2000. There we go. All right. I got to go with the Crimson Tide. Alabama. Because they play three FCS schools a year, so. Break six uh, no, sorry. They've only, they're, they're high in a single season is two. That is incorrect. Well, that gummit saving? That was last year and back in 2010. Aw. <laughs> Bummer. Uh, I'm going to go with the Pirate and his first stint, Texas Tech. Uh, sorry, uh, they did. They put up a lot of 50s, but not a lot of, uh, but not a ton of 60s. No more than two in a single season. Damn. I got to go with them, Buckeyes. Uh, Ohio State. Uh, that is correct. Uh, Ohio State. Uh, did it has done it uh, twice, uh, once in 2013, once in 2016. Uh, well, I'm gonna go back to the well of the Big 12 and go with I'm a man, I'm 40, and Okie State in 2011. They did just that, Corey. All right, um, I'm gonna really dig deep here and say Boise State, Ooh, Boise like State. Uh, they have had two 60-point games in a season six times, but never three. Strike oh. two. Damn. It's mm. not a bad guess at all. No, I like that one. I like that one. All right. Uh, I'm going to ride or die with the Pete Carroll era. Let's say USC racked up 60-some points a couple times. Uh, one season uh, Ooh, in yeah. 2005. Had a boy. Squeaked it in. Had a boy. It matters. It's all that matters. Okay, uh, I'm I'm guessing LSU did it at least once. Ooh, sorry, Coach. Louisiana State is incorrect. Um, they have not had a season uh, in which they have done it more than once. Hmm. Interesting. Oh. Interesting. So, uh, Coach, uh, that is your third strike. Unfortunately, gosh, Josh, yeah. you have any more? Well. I'm going to go uh, with back to the Pirate. Did Washington State do it? Uh, Washington State has not done it. Well, that's twice. unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Um, I know that a few years ago, Michigan had a 78-point game against Rutgers. Did they do it any other time? Uh, again, they, they've had two in a season, but not three. Ooh. 
So am I out? Who won? What? Uh, you won, on? Josh, but both you guys forgot Baylor. They account for number one, two, and four on the list. Uh, we've, Baylor we've did cross it. them out of our memory. We were doing that. Yeah, that's consistent. Baylor, Baylor did it yeah. six times in the year who's 2013. Ba- who's Baylor? Um, that, that? Uh, in giant scare quotes, Christian school in Waco hmm. did it uh, uh, a couple, did it three times, including six times in the 2013 season, five times in the 2015 hmm. season, and four times in the 2014 season. Yeah, um, but how many times hmm. did Rutgers do it? Uh, you mean gave it up? Oh, I'm sure <laughs> a lot. Um, other schools on the list include the 2006 Hawaii squad, 2009 Nevada, uh, 2005 Texas, 2017 UCF, uh, 2016 Army, 2013 Florida State, 2011 Houston, 2002 Kansas State, Louisville in both 20, 2005 and 2016, Memphis in 2015 and 17, Tulsa in 2008, and Wisconsin <laughs> in the Russell Wilson year 2010. Ooh. So I almost didn't guessed that Wisconsin. year in twenty sixteen. Didn't they get didn't they get a sixty spot hung on them too by Florida State? Oh, I'm sh- I, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I mean it's not I like those teams were known for defense. Like weird... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that it, so Clemson's it, never done it. It, it it again puts in perspective how special that Russell Wilson year really was. And it still pains me that the Badgers lost that Rose Bowl to Oregon when Oregon had like the like the most chromed helmets I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> anyway. Those are actually pretty cool hel- helmets. I dug no, those. The, not in person. Oh. It made, it made the, like, it, there was so much glare coming off the helmets in the stadium that like you couldn't, um, like it made it hard to watch the game. It's okay though. Cause you know, Burt Bellama built such a solid program that, you know, he's still coaching at Wisconsin and, just dominating things that he didn't leave in any sort of controversial way. All it proved is that his offensive coordinator was actually the the architect behind everything that was successful, and he is now the head coach. So, oh, where's where's Beal? Um, he is the defensive line coach for the New England Patriots. So he's about as essential as Matt Patricia. Wait, is he even with the is he even with the Patriots anymore? I think he might be he with is. a different team. I saw, him, I saw him on the sideline when I was watching. Listen, man, he listen, he he could just take over for uh now that Vince Wilfork is retired, man. They're about the same size. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean good, he was it's just a cheap option. He, I mean, he's just uh I, I have nothing to say about him. Um, that, that can't be good. The only thing I can say is that he does have an Iowa Hawkeye tattooed on his left calf. Ooh, yeah. And those Hawkeyes are playing in Ames Ooh. this weekend where college game day. game day will be there for the first time in its history. Josh, are you going on the road this weekend too? I know you want to be there. I really, really, really want to. Unfortunately, Ames is just far enough a drive from Chicago that it's not quite feasible. Just grab um, a puddle jumper over to Des Moines. Yeah, but Here, I would rather Josh. I'd rather, Josh, I'll let you borrow the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast helicopter <laughs> so you can fly to the game. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's the here's the thing. Like, <laughs> Josh, get um, to the chopper. <laughs> I'm really, now, really excited. <laughs> I'm really, now. really excited. 
Stop it. I'm really, really excited for the people of Ames, but I've been to Ames multiple times for Iowa, Nebraska, or Iowa, Iowa State games. Humble brag. And, and I've also gotten to see game day in person a couple times, most recently at the Big Ten title game. It's, re- so, it's really not as cool as it, as it seems on TV. No, because you can't hear anything. You can't. You don't know what they're talking about. You don't know what's going on. You're just screaming, holding up a sign. Super excited for the people of Ames. Um, would I get there if it wasn't a six-hour drive and needing to be in Ames so that way I could be back up for a show that starts at 8 in the morning? I would like to do that, but it's not feasible, and I'm not going to use my miles on a quick flight like that. Um, but I'll be there in spirit and, re- you know, whether or not game day is there or not, I think this is going to be a really fascinating game because Iowa State, we know their talent and we know what they can do defensively. And it's a rivalry game, which this rivalry has had some really weird outcomes and like blowouts in years that you don't expect a blowout. Super tight games when one team on paper, usually on Iowa State, to be honest, looks really weak. Um, one year, Iowa ended up going to the Orange Bowl with a 11-1 and mark and went undefeated in the Big Ten, and their one loss was Iowa State, and Iowa State was like a three-win team that year. So it's had some funky outcomes. Um, we don't know much about Iowa State because they've had one game on the year, and it was also a rivalry of sorts, more of a big brother-little brother situation with Northern Iowa. But Iowa State is going to be amped for the game. And what I think Iowa needs to do is just what they've done these last two weeks, which is just kind of a cool, calm, methodical style attack. Uh, Nate Stanley is putting together a really special senior year so far. He's got a career high in completion percentage, improving by almost 5% on his previous high. His average is a – uh, 1.2 yards higher than his other previous best. He's got six touchdowns in two games to zero interceptions. Um, his quarterback rating is 32 points higher than his previous career high. So he is off to a fantastic start to finish. But is his that career. just a function of the competition? No, that's a function of by far his best receiving group of his career. Um, Yeah, they lost the two tight ends, but their receiving core as a whole is deeper because the wide receivers are so much more talented than he's had to work with. The other thing is, regardless of the competition, he's passing the ball more accurately. We saw him hit on a 58-yard bomb. Uh, That's not a career long for him, but downfield accuracy has been a bugaboo for his entire career. He's improved on that a little bit um i think he's making better reads um against miami i got a little concerned in the first few drive where he seemed to be really locked on i think that might have been rust and not quite up to game speed he's kind of knocked that off i thought against um their opponent last week maryland no rutgers (laughs) well you know that's how memorable rutgers is uh against rutgers i thought he was doing a really good job of scanning the field, finding the right person. He had a couple uh, dump-offs that were nice. He, he threw some really nice screen passes 
which has also been a little bit of a bugaboo. So even with easier competition, um, I think it's the accuracy is what is so promising. And that is a function of him playing better, not necessarily a function of the opponent. Am I right, coach? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think it's just uh... – I mean, he has thrown it better. He's played weaker competition. So it's a combination of both. But, you know, in a quarterback's mind, it doesn't matter. Whatever gives you confidence, great. It's like a golfer going out to the driving range and all of a sudden just finding his groove. I mean, that's just just something that, that happens that clicks. And, you know, quarterbacks are, are strange creatures. And, and uh, you know, when you have confidence, you have confidence. So, you know, you, you just got to hope that uh, Nate – Stanley has confidence, but here's one thing that's going to, that's going to help Iowa, uh, Iowa state pass rush, their pressure has not been there at all. Um, they've had in their first two games. Well, so here's uh, the thing, coach, actually, had two I, I, sacks I, I, well, coach, here, here's one thing I want to wa- ask you though. So Iowa state is, was interesting. They needed right. what double overtime to beat Northern Iowa. Was mm-hmm. it double overtime, Josh? It was. Okay. That's what I thought. And then they got a bye week. And so one of the things that Matt Campbell mentioned in his press conference this week was that he thought it was the perfect time to have a bye week. And I wanted to talk to you about this because so they kind of not, let's face it, like as a top 25 team, they played down to their competition. It's an FCS team. I don't care if it's an in-state rival. Mm-hmm. It's still a power five top 25 team playing an FCS team need double mm-hmm. overtime to beat them and a team that we had at least some expectations for so giving them the bye week after that one of the things matt campbell thought said that he loved this time of the bye because all he needed was that one game sample to see you know, kind of what what worked and what doesn't work and matt campbell's a guy that we have all praised uh, for a while in this show and i wanted to know your thoughts about having that early bye week to sort of work out the kinks and if you think that is um, if this, if this was a, could be a good thing for the team or a bad thing for the team. In this particular scenario, it could be a great thing because, uh, you get a week of just getting back to basics and really focusing hard on corrections from the UNI game. I mean, it could very easily be just, they were just not in sync. They weren't woken up and, and it was just a struggle. I mean, they've got to figure out a way to get more pressure. Uh, defensively the two sacks and four tackles for loss against northern illinois northern iowa whatever that team is um northern iowa josh you're rubbing off on me um that's i mean it's one thing it's one thing to confuse rutgers with someone let's give you and i some credit yeah their posse yeah i mean that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it but purple panthers the purple no no they're no, they're the Panther Posse. That was what their student section was called when Cam was there. Oh, them, was that the what Khalid El Amin? Was that the <laughs> was that their guard in the tournament who took them at least like the sweet like pretty far? No, I think Ali Oh, Ali I'm sorry. Ali Farukmanesh. Yeah. Uh, a proud alum wow, of feel, high school. I feel a uh, really, really white guy there because no. I just mistake yeah. mistook one, uh, uh, one. Middle Eastern name for another, and I feel very bad about that. Come on, Matt. You don't know your Northern Illinois. Look at me. It's such habit. You don't know your Northern Iowa athletics. Come on, uh, man. Apparently, not well enough. Well, Iowa, Iowa State. It, you know, back to my back to my answer at hand. They they uh, 
also can use this week to find out who's going to win this running back race that they have. Um, they have a committee approach right now, and really there's no front runners. So uh, the bright spot they have is Deshante Jones. He had 14 catches. Um, LaMichael Petway, he had two touchdown passes caught. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see. If they come out sharp, it was a great thing. If 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 they don't, we know that this team has a lot more issues than we once thought. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, it, it'll definitely be fun because rivalry games are that way, uh, especially this particular rivalry. This particular rivalry seems to, you know, the, the old saying, throw out the record books. Uh, this one, you know, usually it's like, oh, that's uh, a cheesy cliche, throw out the record books. Oh, I get it. But in this rivalry, it is truly the case. More so than a lot of other rivalries, for sure. All right, Josh, give us a prediction. Pain. Well, you know, I, I, I'm calling the game, so I can't make a prediction. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Herbie. No. Look, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive game. I think Iowa State's going to be juiced with game day there. Um, but I just think this Iowa team – Maybe they'll prove me wrong over the course of the season, but based on the first two weeks, they look like something special. They look faster than I've ever seen them before. Amir Smith-Marset is burning it as a wide receiver. They have this incredible, like, multi-headed monster at running back where they're just rotating guys in and in and in. Uh, they're having, like, random, like, fifth option wideouts like this little tiny freshman number three. Uh, I already forgot his name, but he has like one catch and like burned to the end zone. They have the Georgia, um, maybe not Mr. Football, but a really highly touted recruit from Georgia, Godwin, who is a little speedster that's getting time as a true freshman. And Iowa just seems faster than I've ever seen them. Their defense seems um, vintage, nasty, Defense. I don't remember a defense this nasty since really like Norm Parker was on the sideline. And I think Iowa is a legitimate contender for the Big Ten West. And Iowa State is a nice bold team. This is the type of game that Iowa needs to win to show that they have those expectations. I think they will win it ultimately by about a touchdown. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're the actual f- – uh, Iowa is actually the favorite going into this one. I think they're like a two-point favorite in Vegas. Um, and another big uh, interconference rivalry game that uh, that's being played for the first time in a little bit now uh, this season is Pitt playing at Penn State. Uh, in this one, though, Josh, uh, the Big Ten team is the big favorite. Pitt ha- you know, beat Ohio last week, um, which a, a lot of people are calling for that upset but still not off exactly to uh, the greatest start in, um, you know, in no. team history. So no. Tyrone Tracy Jr., by the way, that was the little speedster uh, freshman that out of Indianapolis that I fart, mental farted on his name. <laughs> um, but yeah, but Pitt, um, on the other hand, uh, like I was saying, yeah. uh, they lost to Virginia week one, 30 to 14. Uh this game, though, uh, between uh, Pitt and Penn State uh, harkens back to some of more of the glory days of uh, college football, Josh. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately, 
Pittsburgh is a team that I'm not sure we know what they do well. They're 53rd in passing um, yards, but Kenny Pickett only with two touchdowns through eight quarters, not entirely impressive. 105th in rushing, 113th in scoring. Defense is 46th with 20 points per game, but like they haven't played anyone up to Penn State standards. And I know the Nittany Lions have played Idaho, a game we didn't learn much from, and Buffalo, a game we didn't learn a whole lot from. But just in terms of how, I guess, uninspiring Pitt has looked so far, I kind of side with Vegas with the pretty big line on this game. I think Sean Clifford, I don't know if he'll make anyone forget about Trace McSorley, but he is one hell of an encore act. Uh, yeah, coach, uh, he is. And, you know, Penn State, uh, I've done the year under James Franklin, you know, they keep losing guys, whether it's, uh, in, in this case, Trace McSorley or the year before in um, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders from last year. And this offense just keeps on chugging out yards and points. Yeah, it's really impressive. I mean, it just that's just good recruiting, good coaching, good whatever. I mean, I, I man, I – I'm impressed. I, I, I'm, I've been skeptical every single year that they've lost somebody. I mean, you lose Saquon Barkley. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Lincoln Riley. Losing a guy like Saquon Barkley hurts. But Penn State just keeps rolling right along. Miles Sanders steps right in, next man up. And then Miles Sanders leaves. The next guy's up. You know, it's, it's, it's impressive. It really is. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen James Franklin do this at, at other stops before, but, uh, you know, I did not have very high hopes for Penn State this year. I think I even preseason I had him finished like fourth or fifth in the East. And through two, through two games, I know, you know, like Josh said, not exactly the highest standard of competition. But, man, they look like they are, you know, primed and ready to go. And if I was Pitt, I'd be a little bit scared this weekend. Um, uh I don't know if it's going to be a whiteout or not um, there in Happy Valley, but it's always I'd be a, a little. Su- I'd be a little surprised. That it's an eleven o'clock start. They yeah, so probably not. Games. It's always um, a whiteout, though. Isn't, it, isn't that isn't that the norm? Like seriously? Well, I, I mean, for the maybe for the student body, it is uh, typically. But yeah, I thought um, they always. It didn't matter. They just wore white all the time. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that Penn State should win this one fairly easily. Uh, another intriguing they're, non-conf- they're whiteout, by the way, almost will assuredly be the Michigan game. If this I were year? to, if yeah, if I were to wager money on it, uh, do they only do it once a year? I believe. Well, they do it a couple times, but they do it for like big matchups, and they okay. like to do it at night games also because it looks amazing on TV. It does look good on TV. Yeah. Yeah, I would lean towards the Michigan game, and um, they kind of have a poor home slate. Truth be told, um, maybe they'll maybe they'll just be really ironic and do it to <clears throat> Rutgers. <laughs> uh, that would just be cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> for the Scarlet yeah. Knights. So, Matt, I see this game, game Penn, Penn State and Pitt, uh, as being one of those. You turn it on. 
uh, it's seven nothing. You go, you go to commercial, and then you like go to a different game for a minute, and you come back and it's like twenty eight nothing. It feels like it feels like you were just off the game for like five minutes. That's that's how I feel like this game's gonna go. Oh yeah, uh, I I can completely empathize with that position. I'm I'm right there with you. One game that will hopefully be at least a little bit closer than that. Stanford uh, heads down to Orlando to take on South Florida. Uh, Davis Mills uh, had to come in for KJ Costello, whose uh, season is done for the year. Uh, but Davis Mills was a, a pretty highly ranked high school uh, recruit in his. He's done own for rank. the year. Costello's done for the year. I was, that's what I thought. That was just a concussion. Well, just a concussion, eh? No, I, I mean, like, the USC kid totally messed I up know, his knee. I know Daniel's messed up his knee. I thought that um, – I thought he was out for the year. I may be mistaken on that. Uh, let's see. I, for some reason, I thought it was – He's cleared to return. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So in, in that case, never mind. Um, my narrative completely changes. I – did not do enough research. Well, uh, Davis Mills uh, looked pretty good in relief of KJ Costello last week against USC, albeit in a loss. Uh, but Costello will be back for uh, the game at UCF, who has had a little bit of uh, quarterback change in their own right. Uh, Notre Dame transfer uh, Brandon Wimbush is out. Um, and in his place is Dylan Gabriel. All he did uh, in his last game was go 16-32, 372 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, hmm. Coach, you know, coach um, you know, Gabriel definitely has taken the reins here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. They, they needed somebody. But, you know, bad. coming I mean, into the year, Wimbush. everyone thought it was going to be Wimbush, but it, you know, I mean, it, it just didn't – I guess it just didn't work with him as, as the transfer. Yeah, you know, I just don't think Wimbush really – I don't think he really ever had the it factor anywhere he's been. So, um, <laughs> I thought maybe they were just going to go for it with the experience. But, obviously, um, that didn't work out. And, fortunately for UCF, Dylan Gabriel did. Um, so, uh, who knows? Who knows where their quarterback race is at this point. Um, you'd like to think Dylan Gabriel is, but – you know, who knows? But Dylan Gabriel's playing well enough, I think, right now. Um, this is going to be an interesting, interesting battle. It's a home game for UCF. Stanford's traveling across the country. So, you know, that usually ha- has to play a factor, right? Um, but Stanford's well coached, as we all know. K.J. Costello, um, we, we all know that he's it's not as bad as we once thought. Um, but <laughs> – he, you know he he uh you know it's just a concussion um that sounds so weird to say but um so i mean this game is really you look at it and i could make three or four cases of of how ucf is going to win they come up with big plays uh they they they're quick strike their tempo you know they they do a lot of things fast and they keep you off balance and they do and they're well coached and they do a good job of it uh, Stanford's been kind of struggling lately. They sh- struggled last week against USC. They couldn't seem to get anything going in any aspect of the game. You know, losing Costello wasn't wasn't the uh, wasn't the move. Davis Mills came in and did, did an okay job, but uh, wasn't good enough. So, um, you know, the pass defense is a roller coaster. So, I mean, it, it's just what do you what do you hang on and Josh, maybe you can help me with this because I'm I'm having a hard time of trying to pick out that one aspect 
that's going to turn the tide in favor of Stanford or turn the tide in favor of, of Central Florida. So um, I think Central Florida with the explosive offense, when you have a defense that's on its heels a little bit and reeling a little bit, I think tempo, high-octane, score-quick offenses can really put uh, extreme pressure on defenses that way. And a defense that's struggling may not find their groove, and they could find themselves on the wrong end of a, of a scoring barrage. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Stanford's got some issues through two weeks. Um, they're struggling running the ball, which they shouldn't be because that's sort of Stanford's bread and butter. But in the years that they do struggle running the ball, the year gets away from them. Their offense was terrible against Northwestern's defense. It was terrible against USC's defense. Um, Central Florida through two weeks, yeah, it's Florida A&M and Florida Atlantic, but 14 points allowed total. So UCF's defense is going to be having some confidence, probably watching the tape of Stanford going, oh, we're faster than these guys. The offense for Central Florida is, as you said, Coach High Octane. They're probably looking at that tape going, ooh, we're faster than these guys. And it's Stanford traveling cross-country. If this was a Big Ten team or an ACC team or an SEC team, I'd say forget about it. Stanford is going to lose pretty handily. But because it's Central Florida, people think that Big Bad Stanford is just going to walk all over them. It is for you. Central Florida is – a absolutely big boy program. They yeah, have found a they way really to they have found a way to reload, not rebuild, and they are extremely well coached. And I mean, you just look at that staff. They have people that have been on major major football programs in their careers, and they are killing it at Central Florida. And the bounce house is going to be going crazy because. They're on national ESPN at home against a power five team. I wouldn't be surprised if given the chance UCF runs the score up. And wow. if Stanford wants to have a chance, if Stanford wants to have a chance in this game, they've got to make it truly an ugly game. They've got to turn yeah. this thing into a slugfest, phone booth, Oklahoma drill type game. Well, um, I want to move on quickly to two games that are – well, one of them is officially in the uh, ACC. One of them is unofficially in the ACC. The unofficial <laughs> one is North Carolina versus Wake Forest, which is somehow not a conference game, but still uh, a matchup between two ACC schools. Josh, this is one of my f- favorite tidbits about the season this year, that North Carolina and Wake Forest – we just needed to play each other, but couldn't do so as a conference game because their conference schedule was already filled out. So there, it's a non-conference game. It doesn't count in the ACC standings yet. It will actually tell us a lot about both, both <laughs> where uh, where both of these teams stand in the ACC this season. Well, Wait. like usual, when there's two ACC teams playing each other, I have to double check the standings because I still cannot ever remember the Atlantic and the Coastal and what the difference is. Um, I could have sworn all the North Carolina schools were in the same division for some no. reason. I think it's but, just I, it, it aren't like Carolina and Duke in one and NC State and Wake in the other. Yeah, I guess, but I, 
just come on. It's like the legends and leaders. It's so stupid. Yeah, just, just do find... like a north and south because it's stretched out north and south. Just do north and south. Yeah, yeah. but wow. um, look, I, I know Wake Forest is the home team. I know they are favored according to Vegas. But the fact of the matter is North Carolina has two power five victories. Uh, they dominated Miami throughout, gave up the lead, and found a way to win it at the end. South Carolina was the opposite. They were getting their butts kicked through three quarters and found a way to win. These Tar Heels are scrappy. They're resilient. And even though Wake Forest, I think on paper, has a little bit better team, and Jamie Newman at quarterback for Wake Forest is off to an incredibly hot start in a small sample size. Um, I don't know. This this Tar Heel team just has something special about them, and they, they seem to be buying into everything Mac Brown has said. Uh, I, I think that after the dark days of Larry Fedora, they're just having fun again. And sometimes when you're just out there having fun, you have no stress. When you have no stress, you're playing with house money. When you play with house money, you win random games. And so I think Wake Forest, a team that has a little bit of expectations to return to a bowl, and people think that they have a talented offense, then they're playing at home. I think theoretically they might have a little bit more stress on them. And with the loosey-goosey Tar Heels, this should be a really fun game. And I'm so glad it's on Friday because when else would I be watching this kind of random matchup, not really an ACC game, but featuring two ACC teams. I'm excited for it. It should be a lot of fun, Coach. One other ACC game, though, that intrigues me is Florida State at Virginia. Florida State needed all the help they could get uh, just to beat uh, uh, Monroe, the Warhawks. uh, Just real quick, we didn't talk about it, but I don't know why they – well, for the PAT, I know that. Well, okay, like, that, I was that was literally my next sentence was uh, I, I don't know why why they don't just go for two. You have, nothing, you have just, nothing to lose. You've already gotten your paycheck. Yep. Um, everyone's gonna praise it as a gutsy call. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I don't and know. um, you know, they call it fun. They don't call it fun road for nothing. Like, come on, man, <laughs> like go for it. Yeah, um, I mean, what? I mean, seriously. I'll, what do you have I mean, to lose? You, you have, there's nothing to lose. You have all the momentum at that point. If it goes into overtime, it's just do it. And who cares? It's 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 Florida State. I mean, you have a chance to knock off a team that has a tremendous pedigree, although their name really doesn't mean a whole lot right now. But I mean, you look at the history and tradition at Florida State. You have a team to knock off. You have a chance to knock off a team like that. Fear the spear, man. You got to do it. You got to at least take the chance. I mean, if I'm a Monroe fan and we and and we go for two and we don't get it and we lose, I can live with that. At least, at least we had guts to go for it. I mean, I could have hurt us in the conference standings or anything. I mean, we stood toe to toe with Florida State and 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 came out on top. So, um, it, man, it's. This thing's starting to unravel quick for them. Um, I, I think it's going to be ugly this weekend. I mean, Virginia is uh, such a sound team, or at least much more of a sound team uh, than they have been. And to be honest with you, they don't have to be all that sound. Uh, Florida State will Florida State will beat themselves, it looks like. Um, it, it just 
Oh, oh, oh um, they've had they've had very brief flickers. Florida State has of where you think and saying, "Hey, man, this is a great assembly of talent," but they aren't a team. And they haven't They're been not. a team for a while. And I think this is one of the same issues we saw with the very small sample size of his one year at Oregon as well. And you have I'll a great assembly you, of talent that is d- does not play as a cohesive unit at all. I'll tell you what. I mean, scary. you get the third. It, I, I think if Virginia wants, if they want big plays, they just need to they just need to take every series. They need to take a knee on first down, a knee on second down, uh, because Florida. I mean, it's like gift wrap that you're going to get the first down uh, on third and long, <laughs> um, because they struggle. They haven't. They haven't had a meaningful third down stop yet. The secondary, uh, the secondary is, well, they're non-existent. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just they're out of shape. They're gassed. Um, let's see what else. They don't tackle well. They try to hit with arms folded. They don't um, know how to block on the offensive line. Oh, I'm not. I'm not there yet. Yeah, their offensive line is Swiss cheese. Um, they have a penalty problem. They think they're better than everyone. They have they they love to get penalties. Um, Cam Akers like, has sixty two touches in his first two games. He's their entire offense. I mean, he's an amazing yes. back, but like it's just like everyone knows that. So like like they every team has had like both a safety and a linebacker basically well, shadowing well, him, and they can afford how, to because no one else can get open or seem to break a tackle. Yeah, without without looking them up, name any of Florida State's receivers. I can't. Yeah, thought so. Um, James Blackman is a bust. They can't get a good quarterback. Well, Hornerbrook's I mean, there though. Who wants to play? <laughs> Hornerbrook. Oh, yeah, he's right. who wants to play there. Well, well, Horny he, that, for Heisman, that, man. What the hell? I mean, Horny for Heisman. You know, decided to leave Wisconsin offensive Make line with his lead feet to go play for, behind Florida State's line. He must have a death wish. Like I don't yeah. know what he on really earth does, he's thinking, man. Josh. What what are you thinking? Well, I think the scary hey, thing, Matt, your cousin, your your cousin at Virginia has led all ACC teams in third stop, third down stops. By the way, Bryce Perkins. Oh yeah, my cousin. I, I thought you were talking about my cousins Jack and Katie, yeah. who both actually went to UVA. But you know, <laughs> uh, no, uh, your cousin well, Bryce. Th- my cousin Bryce. I think the scary thing. For Florida State fans, and let's be honest, based on the crowd, the last few games, I don't know how many are bothering to show up at the games anymore. But Virginia has 11 sacks. That's third best in the nation. They've defended five passes. They've picked off three passes. One of those going for a house call. And against uh, their first game, Pitt, a conference game or you know power five team they racked up four sacks jordan mack three sacks on the young season already joey blunt coming in from safety already with two sacks on the season bronco mendenhall has a pedigree of some hard-nosed defenses at byu he's got that at virginia he had that really since day one at virginia and it was just kind of waiting for the offense to figure some things out before we thought Virginia could start winning this division. This, this Virginia team stacked. There's a reason why they were picked to win their division, the ACC. 
I think they're going to make Blackwood's day pretty long, pretty miserable. I think he's going to need to get the tide out for his jersey because I see a multi-sack day for this hungry Cavalier defense. Yeah, I I see Virginia winning relatively big. Um, so, you know, this is a it, – it's a seven-and-a-half-point game, and I can see Virginia winning by at least double digits. Speaking of which, we should head to our own spread formations. Um, uh Week one, uh, Josh, you and I went three and two. Coach went two and three. Last week, I have literally lost what our predictions were. I'm not joking. I cannot find them. I need to go back to the episode and re-listen to it to That's figure out what show. we actually actually uh, <laughs> uh, actually predicted. So I will add that add those up over the weekend and add them to next week. As for now, okay, <laughs> that works. That works for me. Um, Anyway, let's get started with this week's uh, with, with this week's lines. We will start in Stark Vegas, uh, a matchup of undefeated teams in Kansas State and Mississippi State. Mississippi State seven and a half point favorites at home. Josh, over under is fifty two. Where are you putting down a little bit of your hard earned cash? Well, I don't know what to make of Mississippi State. They've been rather ho hum in their first two games, a 10-point win over Lafayette. I guess they like to go by Louisiana now. Uh, And they beat Southern Miss, but it was 38-15. Neither game really blowouts. The offense kind of struggling a little bit. In Kansas State, 49-14 to Nichols, and then besting even that, going 52-0 over Bowling Green. I I don't know. I I think this team is – like just feeling good about a new coach, new system. They sent Bill Snyder off. They don't have that pressure anymore of trying to play well for a legend. And I kind of am getting a little bit of a upset vibe from this game. So I'm going to pick Kansas state to cover because I think they might win coach. Well, Coach, as, uh, as much as I enjoyed your analogy, um, I'm actually with Josh on this one. Uh, you, Coach, you mentioned that uh, NFL defensive line, well, they're all gone now. And Kansas State under Chris Kleiman looks fan 
freaking tastic. He is going to announce himself on the national stage this weekend. Give me Kansas State uh, not only to cover, but to win outright. Um, for our next game, um, we will head to North, uh, we will head uh, up to the Bay Area. Uh, the Mean Green of North Texas are headed to play Cal Berkeley. Hopefully this one finishes before 4.22 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday morning. Uh, Cal, 14-point favorite, favorite at home. Josh, over-under is only 50, though, uh, in, in this one with a high-powered North Texas offense. What do you like? Well, North Texas totally, totally burned me a week ago. I thought that they were – way better than SMU. I thought they would roll in that game. So did I. And they got smoked. They lost 49-27. They also gave up 31 points to Abilene Christian in a FCS game to start the season. So that defense is not inspiring a lot of confidence for me. We know Justin Wilcox is going to have the Cal defense firing on all cylinders. Teams traveling multiple time zones to the Pac-12 seldom come away with the victory. I'm going to say Cal finds a way to cover, even though I'm a little bit surprised Ooh. it was a two-touchdown spread. I, I like what this Cal team did, uh, with, even with the delay. Coach. I don't think that was as big a compliment as you thought it was. the under um uh, coach likes the under josh is on cal this is the toughest of the matchups for me to pick this week uh 14 seems like a lot uh, of points to lay with cal but it's not like i'm that confident after what we saw last week in north texas um that being said they still you know they, they've still despite you know losing um uh, last week by a fair but they still put up uh, some points and I don't know. This this is my toughest call of the week, but I am going to uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna back uh, Cal here as well. I, but I do want to go under fifty. But I'm gonna go I'm gonna back Cal. Um, um, 
uh, here. So next game, um, North Carolina State, uh, six and a half point favorites on the road in Morgantown. Josh, what way are you leaning in uh, the uh, in, well, in this one with an over under at set at only 45 and a half? Yeah, I think this one is fairly easy. West Virginia, I think the cupboard was bare. I think Dana Holgerson got a nice payday at Houston, but also found a really good time to jump ship, knowing that West Virginia didn't have anything on the roster. They barely beat James Madison, and they got drubbed by Missouri on the road. NC State looked pretty good through two weeks. I'm going to say the Wolfpack easily cover that spread. I think they win by uh, maybe even as much as three touchdowns. Coach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how bare were those freaking? I mean, we talked about this with Holgerson, man. How bare are those covers that he left? My goodness. so bad <laughs> yeah well yeah, now we know West Virginia's going to win because we're all picking the Wolf Pack here. Um, <laughs> our next one is uh, one of my favorite uh, group of five matchups this weekend, Ohio at Marshall. Uh, both these teams are favorites to at least win. Uh, I should say, if not to win their conferences, be very uh, near the top of Conference USA and the MAC. Marshall five-and-a-half-point favorites at home in the state of West Virginia, over-under set at 49, Josh. What side are you on? Yeah, I might be reading too much into last week, but Marshall went on the road to Boise State and lost in a very narrow defensive game, 14-7. to Ohio went on the road to Pitt and lost 20-10. to um, But I would say if Pitt and Boise were to play each other, we would all unanimously pick Boise to win that game. So theoretically, Marshall's coming off the more impressive road narrow loss, getting the game at home. Uh, I like both teams a lot overall for their season prospects. I like Marshall a little bit more in this game. I think they cover. All right, coach. Well, that's why they put it there, coach. They're trying to get they're trying to get that action on both sides, boss. Uh, 
Uh, gentlemen, uh, Josh mentioned those scores from last week. Uh, I'm feeling a defensive battle here. I'm going to take under 49. I mean, this has all the makings of a 21-17 game as far as I'm concerned. So I will take the under. Uh, finally, Rutgers has a bye week. So I had to find the, I had to find the most pathetic Power 5 team. I, yeah, uh, I mean, you can get good odds on that one too, man. You, you got to gobble up those uh, – gobble up that chance no uh with Rutgers off I had to find the most pathetic power five team that I could um didn't have to look very far uh one of uh the teams that is nearest and dearest to my heart UCLA Bruins 23 and a half point dogs at home to Oklahoma over under set at 72 and a half for the game and that's not just for Oklahoma score <laughs> but for the teams combined Josh <laughs> they will. No, I have. I I have almost zero doubt that they could. Uh, well, I, I'm picking Oklahoma to cover, but believe it or not, scoring 70 points single handedly is pretty hard to do. I think it is. It's, it is. I think it's gonna be. Yeah, Oklahoma's gonna cover, but the game's gonna stay under because Oklahoma's gonna score about 60 points, and UCLA is gonna contribute nothing to that. <laughs> All right, coach. Well, that's the thing, Coach. I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath because I don't think UCLA is going to be able to tackle anyone in Oklahoma. And UCLA, when they have the ball, Dorian Thompson-Robinson just gives it to the other team to begin with. So uh, for that reason, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's more like leading lambs to the slaughter. But I'm taking the over. Um, I think that, you know, uh, I, I just, I think that Oklahoma can, I think Oklahoma can put up 50 without even opening their eyes. And UCLA has shown me less than nothing this year. They are genuinely pathetic. <laughs> um, it, I, I don't understand. I mean, I understand who like the uh, idea of Dorian Thompson Robinson as a quarterback, but he is not the guy and I feel bad for him because that offensive line is doing him no favors the running game is doing him no favors but he has uh you coach you talked about confidence earlier today he has zero he's a negative confidence at this point (laughs) and you know I feel bad for the kid um and you know I am I, I you know again I guess we didn't realize how bare the cupboard was at UCLA for Chip Kelly, but we saw signs of life in the second half last year. The start of this year is not pretty. And I, for one, am not, you know, uh, I, I was a, a, a pretty big time Chip supporter, uh, not just when he got hired, but at the beginning, at the end of last season, beginning of this season, I was really feeling Chip. 
and it has not gone well to start the year. That team needs to make a turnaround quick, or else they are going to they are going to turn on him in LA even quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, gents, two uh, two positive stories to end on. Nothing really related okay. to anything that we talked about, but uh, I think the Tennessee story has kind of gone viral. The, mm. the young kid who got bullied. Uh, Tennessee made his shirt design. All proceeds going to an anti-bullying campaign, stomp out bullying. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, based on, they did offer him a scholarship. They also sent him a lot of clothing. Um, don't know the particulars of that family, but could be based on uh, not having any garb Tennessee related. With that being his favorite team, maybe he was a little clothes dependent. Maybe they they were living a little by the purse strings or whatever. So awesome story of Tennessee. Um, also a melancholy, but um, it, uh, a story that we're rooting for, I guess. Um, Arkansas State coach uh, Blake mm-hmm. Anderson, first game back after his wife passed away this summer from cancer. Georgia is doing a pink out for the game. So um, a, a, a v- very small step towards – helping out coach Anderson and you know we wish him nothing but the best in what is unimaginably difficult times yeah Corey that's pretty that, that that's a pretty cool thing for Georgia for Georgia to be doing obviously your alma mater um and Well, uh, I think that Arkansas State is the only team in their home state that's uh, playing this weekend. So, uh, and I think with that, so. Let me... with, with that um, I think we should oh, probably finish up the finish up the show. No, no, I just checked my notes. We we did it again. What happened? We buried a massive lead. No, yeah, I fail to believe it. Yeah, this just came across my wire. Um, I mean, I, I saw Arkansas State in the rundown. I thought that's what we're talking about. Um, a thriller. A thriller in Fayetteville, gentlemen. Mm, go on. Big, big, bad, nasty Colorado State coming in. Colorado State fresh off their thrashing of the Western Illinois Leathernecks. 38-13. Avenging last year's loss. Taking on... Our beloved Razorbacks, who lost a squeaker at Mississippi, probably a game they should have, could have won with a little bit better play. But I'll tell you who's up and ready for some action. New Arkansas quarterback Nick Starkle getting the starting job after he shredded 
that sorry Landshark defense for over 200 yards a game ago. Uh, look at him to post a number. I'm thinking smells like about a 400-yard game coming up against the fight in Bobos. Arkansas rolls. They put up another two or three touchdowns. Uh, are we going to have to start changing the, the chant to uh, Woo Josh Suey? <laughs> we can make it happen. All right. Um, and that's because that's because they just got a safety. So, because uh, Jameis Winston uh, is is going to Jameis. So no, that uh, was the running back. Well, yeah. Well, it was because <laughs> it's on NFL Network. <laughs> that's cruel and unusual, unusual punishment. Oh, no, you're going to miss exciting games like Bills and Texans and Falcons and Chargers. Oh, Or no. Dolphins and Colts. No, the Bucks. Yeah, was, well, the, the, well, the Bucks would thrash them because I think the Dolphins are going to be the worst team that pro football has seen in, in, since the 0-16 Lions. Or 0-16 Browns, I should say. No, that game's going to get flexed to ESPN Monday Night Football because the NFL's cruel to ESPN. <laughs> but it's fine because it makes Joe Tessitore have to watch terrible football. <laughs> and he deserves that? Yep. Okay. Texas is So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, this is the professor saying so long and see you next time on the Texas Motion College Football Podcast. I've officially done a Joe Tessitore impression before a Lou Holtz impression this year. That's rare. That's rare for me. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.